God's word. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Thank you. You may be seated. Pastor. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer here. And uh, we will close up here in a second and get right, right to the next thing. So let's pray. Father, it is a good thing to be here tonight, and we're thankful that we're able to be here tonight. Lord, we're thankful that as we have <clears throat> sung the songs and, and just enjoyed those that we can sing about living by faith and trusting and obeying, and, and uh, Lord, our heart, I believe that as we sing these, uh, just uh, know the truth of walking in those, and we thank you for those and the joy that they are, the truth of them. And, uh, Lord, as we look forward to your word here in just a minute, uh, Father, we ask you just to teach us tonight, to strengthen us, to help us tonight. And, uh, Lord, that uh, uh, we live, <clears throat> Lord, lives of victory and not defeat. And, Lord, that uh, we would be reminded once again, Lord, where our aid and our help come from. And, uh, Lord, that you have a purpose in our life. And, and Lord, you have uh, plans and and designs for us, and, and Lord, that we just need to allow you to do what you desire to do and what you ought to do, and that we trust you in it. Lord, would you help us to stay attentive and, and alert tonight and remove any distractions, and that you could accomplish in us what you have desired to accomplish. And well, thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. One, two, and four. <laughs> How's that? I didn't write anything down. Now everybody knows the code. You know the code. One, two, four. Let me stand one more time. 
and turn to page 396. entrance so <clears throat> you know the bible says the help of man is vain and how discouraging that would be if it ended there right i must tell jesus uh, thankful we can go there amen and uh, all right <sighs> i feel like i was supposed to tell you something and i've forgotten already so no worries let's go to james chapter one tonight james chapter one the Bible says over in Job uh, 14, I think it is, chapter 1, that a man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. How many can say amen to that? Full, a few days, full of trouble. And over in Genesis 49, if you remember, 47, I believe it was, uh, Jacob, or uh, 
Joseph was bringing his father Jacob to meet Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had asked him how old he was. And he said, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years, few and evil. Have the days of the years of my life been and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Few and evil, uh, Jacob said. A few days full of trouble, Job said. And it's a fact, if you breathe air for any length of time, you are going to face trials in your life. We're going to come upon them. And they're going to visit us and come to us. And it's interesting because really if you, if you get a little a glimpse of the life of James for as much as that we are given of him, we don't have a lot, but we know he was a half-brother of the Lord Jesus. He didn't become a, a believer. He wasn't saved till after the resurrection. And they didn't believe his brother, his half-brother there. At some point, he, uh, uh, you, we see an indication he pastored probably the church at Jerusalem. You talk about taking that on, possibly possibly in the realm of 14,000 members at that church at Jerusalem. And uh, then he was martyred the, uh, the, uh, but anywhere between 62 and 69 A.D. He, uh, he was martyred and he died. And uh, so James, I think, would have a little bit of an inclination of what he's going to write about. The Holy Spirit has is, is, uh, uh, inspired him to write, not in not inspired him, moved him. The words are inspired and the writers are moved along over in First Peter we, we find. But um, we know this in life that God sends, he sends by appointment at times trials into our life. He allows them at the very minimum. You could say he allows them. And we know that sometimes he sends them. Look at verse 1. James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about that. That's the title he uses for his half-brother that he grew up with. I like that. The, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He claimed him as Lord. And to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Wait a minute. Count it all joy. We could rest on that for a little while. Some just say, let's move on from that for a little while. But James said to count it all joy. Why? Because it means something's going on in your life. It means something is happening. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And we have got to know, we've got to know as we go through this life, we've got to know that God sends temptations into our life. Now, we know what that word temptation isn't like the other word temptation, right? This word temptation means proving like a furnace for refining. And we know this, when you refine metals and things like that, they put them under a great amount of heat to remove the impurities. If, if you were to refine gold, the melting point of gold is 1,943 degrees. 1,904. Brother Jim, did you know that? I am shocked. Because usually he is my go-to for stuff like this. At 1,943 degrees, gold will begin to melt. And as it melts, and there's processes they use, and even different processes than just the fire, 
and uh, those impurities will come out, the lead and the coppers and the different things like that will become to begin to come out of that gold and they, they begin to clean that out of there and take it out and, and you can get through just fire alone, you can get gold to 99.5% pure. There's another chemical method they use to get it to 99.9% pure. But uh, what, what the, the point here is, right, the word temptation is it means proving, uh, um, trying like a furnace for refining, for refining. Okay. And so we see here that temptations come. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Temptation trials are going to come. We don't look for them. I don't think that's healthy. To just go like some martyr complex. I want to go find a trial to jump myself into. Well, that's not really, that's kind of ignorant. If you notice the word fall there, it's kind of like you've just been clicking along in your life and here you are, you're in a t- trial. You're in a testing. You're in a proving ground. You didn't ask for it. I, I, I mean, there is a difference between counting it all joy. That's something you, that you have to do when you know when you know and understand the the. Uh, how do I say this? When you begin to understand the working behind the temptation, you can count it all joy, but it's nothing that we enjoy, friend. Yeah. Listen, if it's something you enjoyed, I don't think you would be able to do the refining process. Right? Fire is hot. Right? Yeah. Trials are hot. They come that we don't look for them, and they come in different forms. Look at that word, diverse. They come in all different forms and fashions. Not one person's uh, trial is necessarily like another. Even if somebody's going through similar trials because of their background, because of their history, because of their family, all sorts of things will always make everybody's trial a little bit different than somebody else's. And so we see here that trials have to come. Trials come in that it is God who is behind these, right? Counted all joy and fall in diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The very fact that your faith is being tried reveals that somebody's doing the trying. Right? Somebody, well, gold dust doesn't melt on its own, not on this planet it doesn't. Some human has to come up with fire that gets up to 1940 what? 43. Good job. See, I knew you'd remember that. 43 degrees. To melt it. Somebody is in, involved in that. And God is involved in our testing process. But if you notice here, verse 3, they serve a purpose. The trials that we go through, are they serve a purpose. We may not say, think they do. We might not see the purpose for years down the road. We might not understand them at the time. But listen, they serve a purpose. Why? Because God does nothing haphazardly. God allows nothing in our life that is just like, oh, sorry, eh, got, that one got past me. Hope you survive, right? God doesn't do that to us, all right? We have a God, we, we, our Father is one who is completely and totally aware. And so it, it, these trials that we come into serve a purpose because it's not possible to know how to operate in our faith if we've never been put into, into the position where we need to operate in that faith. We, we don't do that. On, you know, trials are the things that reveal that. And, and God always allows these trials in our life to test us, watch, to equip us and to prepare us. To test us, to equip us, and to prepare us. 
But I want you to notice in verses 3 and 4, there's a progression. There's a progression. Look at verse 3. Knowing, that, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. So notice this, a tried faith builds patience. Right? How many, how many are flowing over in patience? How many have extra patience that you could loan me? Anybody have enough? You could just get rid of a little bit? Yeah, isn't that funny? I, not many people come around and say, well, yeah, oh, man, I got too much patience. <sighs> no, they don't. This word patience here means steadfast, consistency. I like this, endurance. Endurance. A tried faith builds endurance. Endurance for what? Endurance for the work that God's called us to do. Yeah. Outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, beside the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't think there is a greater example of patience of this word consistency and endurance and steadfastness. I don't think there's a greater example than the Apostle Paul. I mean, think about that. When he was leaving Ephesus for about the last time, he, he, he was headed to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit of God had already told him when he goes up to Jerusalem that he's going to be looking forward to bonds and afflictions. Uh, they were trying to tell him not to go. He said, man, you're breaking my heart. Stop. I mean, they're, you know, they're weeping on him and they don't want him to go and they don't want him to leave. And he says, please don't do this. And then in Acts 20, 24, he says this, but... None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course, look, with joy, with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Watch this. At this point in Paul's life, it could have been, I don't know, maybe the 14 years of ministry prior to this place where he is at Ephesus that made it possible for him to make such a statement. Do you, real, do, do you not remember what he went through before this point? The shipwrecks, the beatings, the stonings, right? All of the trials that he went through, the hunger and uh, the cold and swimming around in the ocean for a couple days and things like this. All of these trials, all of these things prepared him, prepared him for what he was going to do when he went to Jerusalem. And he said, they don't move me. I'm moving forward. Why? His faith had already been tested. He already had, it had built the patience that he needed in his life. And the, what he had already gone through already built the consistency and the steadfastness and the endurance that he was going to need to get in a ship and head to Rome and sit in a prison until they took his head off. He was going to need that. Yeah. I don't know about you tonight. I want to finish well. And I think everybody in this room wants to finish well. I think they want to finish their course with joy, right? I think so. Listen, if you want to finish well in here tonight, can I remind you, it's going to take trials that build the endurance to finish well. It's going to take them. Notice this also in verse 4, a patient faith, right? So we have a tried faith works patience. Well, then a patient faith, an enduring type of faith, Remember, I've said it many times, faith isn't measured in quantity, it's measured in longevity, it's measured in length and duration. Right? A patient faith builds maturity. Look at verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, 
wanting nothing. That word perfect means brought to its end, finished, full age, mature. Mature. And so a patient faith builds maturity in our life. Right? A faith that is steady. A faith that has fewer and fewer drastic ups and downs. Right? We got, we got saved. You first got saved. And, and it was kind of some drastic ups and downs on the way through this life of faith. Right? It was, it was swings. Big, big swings back and forth. You know? And as time goes on, as our faith matures and builds and the endurance comes in, well, you, hopefully those big swings go away. Well, they will go away if you come to a place of maturity. I've, I've given you this verse before in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, where it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. They're flying as eagles they shall run right and not be weary they shall walk and not faint the imagery here is almost a landing not a taking off it's a soaring it's like we think our christian life is constantly a soaring well really the the enduring part of a faith faithful life that builds up to a place of maturity is not always the soaring in the heights and it's not always the mountaintops right it's when you can come down for a landing and in and, and it's running then a nice steady walk and it's a consistent life then this is what a patient faith builds it builds a consistent mature life notice this also number 3 then that maturity builds completeness. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So when something comes to maturity, what you're really saying is, there is nothing essential left for it to come to its full place, for its full usefulness. Right? Anybody ever pick an apple off a tree? When that apple is mature, when it's ready, right, it's ready to be picked off the tree and it's ready to be eaten, essentially there's nothing left that needs to happen to that apple for you to eat it. As long as that skin is the right color, and you could probably even get away with that a little bit, but as long as that skin's, can I tell you, it's not going to get any more seeds after it's ready. It's not going to get another layer of skin after it's ready. It's not going to change colors inside after it's ready. When it has come to maturity, it needs nothing else added to it to be complete and ready to eat. Yeah, I like that. That rhymed, so that'll help you. <laughs> so, yeah. This is what, where our life comes to. This is where we come to. When our faith has been tested, when our patience has allowed the trials to work in our life, we come to a place of maturity, and we come to that place, watch, it's essentially, oh, don't get me, there's other things here, but essentially there's nothing else that needs to be added to that place of our life. God has brought it to maturity. But watch, it's with testings and trials to get it there. It's with testings and trials that our faith is purified to endure longer, right? So we can so we can come to that place of completeness. So what is the key to patient endurance? Verses five through eleven. Look at verse five. If you're going to come to that place of complete endurance, you've got to know the power behind it. The power of endurance. Look at verse 5. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I, I hope you can understand when I say this, but wisdom is one of the very few, I guess you could say, self-centered things that God commands us to get. It's, it's for, wisdom is the principal thing, Proverbs 44, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. We're commanded to get wisdom. Listen to Proverbs 19.8. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. A little bit self-centered. No, don't get me wrong. When you get wisdom, it helps others around us. It's not self-centered. But it's one of those things that helps us. We need it. We need it. And the power, watch, the power for patience is wisdom. Begging God for wisdom. If you're looking down the barrel of some trials tonight, if you're looking down down the opening the door you open the door and all your all your trials are sitting there here tonight yeah you don't know what to do verse 5 answers your question you acknowledge you need wisdom and you acknowledge that you lack wisdom you acknowledge that look at this what he says let him ask of god yeah. what are we saying here we know this tonight it's we, we, we know this very well. The world is not our source for wisdom. <laughs> really, it's the last place we would ever, should ever want to go for wisdom. Yeah. Oh, just follow your heart. Well, that's dumb, <laughs> right? That's not wise at all, right? Yeah. The, world, the world will tell you to run to the bottle. The world will tell you to run to the doctor all the time. The world will tell you to sit on the couch with the therapist. And the world will tell you to pop some more pills. Usually the therapist tells you that, right? Sometimes there's places for some of that, but I'm telling you, if you're dealing with trials in your life, the world is not the source of wisdom. Watch, that will build a faith that outlasts trials. What we're wanting to do is build a faith that outlasts, outruns the trials. And the wisdom of this world can't do that. It always falls short. The only wisdom that we have that is the power behind this that we need is the wisdom that is from God. Because He is the source of wisdom. He is the giver of wisdom. He is the one who gives it to all who ask Him. Right? Look what He says here. He says He gives it liberally. And I love this. He says He gives it and upbraideth not. It means He will not reproach. He will not chide. He will not say, well, you want wisdom again? Good night alive. Haven't, haven't you got past this? You know, no, he doesn't do that. Never, never. Right. When you go to God and say, I need wisdom. I have no idea what to do in this situation. It's coming. Yeah. Do you know why it may not be coming in your life? Verse six, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You know, it keeps God from unloading that wisdom that you need in your life is when you go to him with doubt. I tell you, asking for wisdom seems like one of the most wide open 
requests in the Bible that God has given us that with almost without a doubt about it, we can ask for wisdom. And he said, I'll, I won't turn you away. Let him ask faith nothing. Waver for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind. For let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Are you looking at trials tonight? Do you need do you need a, a mature faith in this trial to get through this trial and get, and get to where God wants you to be? Well, to get there, you've got to come to God, and you've got to acknowledge that you need Him, and you've got to acknowledge that you need the that you need the wisdom, and you got to ask Him for it. You've got to ask Him for it. Let Him ask in faith. I think it's over in Hebrews eleven six. For without faith it's impossible to please Him. For him that cometh to God must believe that He is and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Yeah. When we come to God for, for wisdom, we should come to God with all assurance that, that as we approach the throne of God, that we will leave exactly with what we've asked for. Nothing wavering. <laughs> Nothing wavering. It's one of those things we should never, ever, ever have to question. Yeah. If you're going to hesitate asking for wisdom, right? I'm telling you, you're not going to get to that place of maturity that God wants you. You're not going to be able to endure the trials. No doubt else you'll find out in life is you'll end up experiencing the same trials over and over because you haven't got past them yet. God did not invent government education. And just passing them along before they're ready to go. No, he, some people he'll allow to sit at a place their whole life until they learn it. Yeah, absolutely. Look at verse eight again. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Yeah. Life will drive you wherever it wants to. If we don't get to the place of our first recourse is to approach our Father. And ask for wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. The Bible kind of gives the indication here as well that the person who falters at asking for wisdom is someone who's unstable in every other aspect of your life. Yeah. A double minded man is unstable in look all his ways. All his ways. So, listen to me tonight. The, the, the power of a purified faith is wisdom. Right? It's wisdom. We need, to, we need to know that God sends temptations, right? Trials, testings. We need to know the process of these testings. But we need to know the power to come out of these testings purified. Whatever you're going through tonight, whatever you're experiencing... God has allowed them and He has a purpose in them. Right? If you're going through a... Hey, listen, if you're going through a trial tonight that you said, wow, just like the one I went through four years ago. Hello? <laughs> you might want to perk the ears up this time and say, God's allowed it. for. A re- I haven't passed the last test. I'm back here again. Right? Yeah. You need to go to Him and start asking for wisdom. I think we need to look at this as well. Look at verse 13 through 15. Moving right along tonight. We need to know what God's testing is not. 
right? Don't, we got to be careful. Some things are, are not what God did. Look at verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is draw away, drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when it lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, some Christians go through difficult times in their life and uh, they, that have nothing to do with the purifying testing of God. Some of it has to do with they just made really bad decisions, right? And, 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 and they may, you'll, you'll hear them, boy, I tell you, the Lord's really bringing me through it now, right? My house is going to be foreclosed and the Lord's really, really bringing me through it while they have a Porsche and a new Tesla and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, assets that aren't really assets that just, that, you know, fall in value. You know, all of these things lined up that they shouldn't have spent their money on, right? And they say, boy, I'm really going through it now. Really going through it now. No, you spent your money on dumb stuff. Right? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Some say, well, my, my kids are just really giving me a hard time. Yeah. Sometimes it's because they weren't ever taught the Bible. Right? I'm not saying that's always the case, obviously, but sometimes it's all it is. Don't blame God for some of these things, right? Right? God's really been testing me lately with my health. Well, maybe it's just because you've been destroying the vessel, right? Maybe it's just because you've been destroying the temple of the Holy Ghost. And uh, listen, it's just this is just what happens. It's not one God trying to bring you somewhere. Maybe, maybe you said, well, I voted Democrat. Well, no, that, that's another issue. Yeah, that wasn't of God, right? Hey, some of these, quote, trials in our life are just, we're reaping what we've sown. We, we, this is what we have here. He says, when I am tempted of God. Watch, this word tempted here is different from the word tempted in verse 2. This word tempted here is to solicit to sin or to tempt that way to cause you to sin. God doesn't do that. God never does that. God never entices us to sin. God never tempts us to sin. He will never bring you somebody else's husband. He will never bring you somebody else's wife. He will never entice you to steal. He will never impress it upon you to lie. He will never tell you to disobey His word. Hey, when the trials come into your life because of sin, they're not of God. And they're not, listen, they're not a thing that builds faith that you would go to God for and beg for wisdom. What you would do is go to God and beg for forgiveness. Forgiveness, yeah, in that type of trial. God doesn't do that, right? Where do these trials begin? So, Just so you have an idea before we start saying, well, boy, I'm really going through some trials. Uh, they may not be of God. They might be of your own doings. Look at verse 14. Where do they begin? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own, own lust. His own lust. Tempted, drawn away. Who did the tempting? His own lust. His own desires and enticed. Everybody, hey, everybody in this room has your own lusts, don't you? They're all different, but everybody has them. And, and this one is tempted, watch, when they're drawn away of their own lusts and enticed. And notice, notice where these end, verse 15. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So this lust that is tempting when you stay there long enough, it conceives. Once that lust conceives, that conception births sin. And then when sin is finished, there's death of some sort. I don't know if I should 
throw this in here or not. Uh, we got a, we got a few minutes. I was reading uh, something jumped out to me this week over in Job, and uh, Job one one. It says Job right, uh, and it says he was a he was a upright in all of his ways. It said a man who eschewed evil. If you go look up that word eschewed, it's a wonderful connection, I believe, right here to James 15. And that word eschewed means to turn away, to turn aside, to walk away, but it also means to be left undone. Job lived a life that he made sure he left sin, right? Evil, he left it undone. What's that? What what, would you see? Well, see, you heard verse 15? He never allowed sin to get to a place of conception. Lust to a place of conception and then death. When you watch, sin left, not left undone. You see the progression? It ends in death. And I love that, that word eschewed. This is, what Job, this is how Job lived, that he eschewed evil. And we know that he sacrificed and he didn't let sins get far. And he just lived that type of way of walking away from sin. Listen, God will never tempt us to sin. That's not the temptation James is talking about. The testings James is speaking of here in chapter 1 are the typical trials of life that will affect everyone. Death. Sickness. A loss of a job sometimes when it wasn't a thing you did. Persecution for your faith. Here's one that I think probably might rest on a few in here the next chapter of your life that you weren't expecting. Didn't plan for it. Can I tell you, you ne- we never get to the stage of life where we're too old to be tested by God to perfect our faith. That should be a joy, actually. God doesn't say, nah, okay, you're about to come home. <laughs> Just go do what you want. I'm going to go focus on this fella over here, the young one, right? This is what the world does. We focus on the young ones and kick the, kick the seasoned saints out, right? And then we go, right? No, God doesn't do that. Up in the day, I, I, it, just, it seems like into the day that we take our last breath, God is allowing trials and tribulations into our life to, to, to perfect our faith, to bring us to a place of maturity, and to get us to the place where our faith will outlast the trials and we can be like the, the Apostle Paul. And none of these things move me. It <laughs> doesn't matter what's coming. I'm just going to keep right on going in the ministry that God has called me to do. Is what Paul said. What's the power? Wisdom. How do you get through the trial? Beg God for wisdom. How do you get through the next chapter of your life? Get on your face and ask God for wisdom. Beg him for wisdom. And uh, on top of that, look at verse 12. Look at God's purpose. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. On top of it all, we've got one of the five crowns available that one day I believe we'll give back to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have a reward. Watch, there is a reward. There's a reward for living by faith, for going to God for in, in the trials, for begging for the wisdom that we need, depending upon God to see our faith strengthened 
to where it will outlast the trials and that we mature where God wants us to do. There's a, there, there is, a, there is a, a crown, there is a reward for living that type of life. Yeah. So if you're going through some trials tonight, yeah, you're going through trials tonight, you want to finish well? You want to finish with joy? <laughs> right? Count it all joy, he says. You want to finish with joy? Well, trust him. And if you haven't started, and maybe I'm sure you have, but if you're here tonight going through the trial and you haven't started, start tonight by asking God for wisdom. What to do and how to do it. Beg God for wisdom, right? You notice we're never told to ask God to remove the trial. I mean, we can go through all sorts of examples where we have not been told by God to, re- or told to ask to remove the trial. But we're shown how to come through the trial. Because God, why? Because He wants us purified and mature. Yeah. May God help us. As we go through the trials of our, of our journey that God puts in front of each and every one of us individually, may God help us to finish it all with joy. And it's possible. It's possible. We just need to beg for wisdom. And, uh, and allow God to do the work that He wants to do in our life. And uh, I'm telling you, he'll, he'll do it. He'll do it. Amen. Father, thank you tonight. We're told to give thanks in everything. Which should mean we ought to give thanks in the trials. Yeah. And so, Father, I come to you tonight, and we come to you tonight. And you know where everybody is tonight. You know the heart of everybody. Lord, I don't know what you're doing in each life, but uh, obviously you are doing something in each and every life in this room. You're bringing through trials. You're bringing through purifying processes. You're allowing things into our life to get rid of, to get rid of the, 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 the dross and the impurities. You're trying to make us like Jesus. And we thank you for that tonight. There may be some here tonight that are staring down some trials and they just absolutely are overwhelmed with them. They're overwhelmed. Can't breathe. God, we ask you tonight that your Holy Spirit would encourage tonight and that we'd go to you tonight and begin to begin a pattern, a life pattern of coming to you and begging for that wisdom and being a, a life of trusting and obeying. And Lord, that we'd walk uh, where you'd have us to walk. And that we would learn, uh, Lord, that all that you're doing is for us, not to us. And uh, Lord, that we'd come out at the end with great joy and a solid faith. We thank you for that. We ask you to do that work tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me tonight, would you please? And the, the, the instrument's going to play. And... Uh, Invitation, of course, as you know, is open. However the Lord has spoken to you tonight. Do you need wisdom? Are you looking at another trial that looks like just like the same trial you've had before and it seems to come around over and over? Can I tell you, God is trying to work in your life and He's trying to remove some stuff and you need to go to Him and begin the process of asking for wisdom and walking in what He tells you to do.
That's where the joy will be. Have a great uh, Labor Day tomorrow. Is that what it is? Labor Day? Hanukkah? Not Hanukkah. Labor Day. So have a good Labor Day tomorrow and uh, hope you have some good plans to just take it easy. Are you working tomorrow night? Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. So anyway, and uh, we'll be uh, busy over here next week and trying to, uh, I've been praying that uh, we need to get that ramp done. That's the next big thing that needs to be done. But because of all the delays and the concrete and all this and that, the builders of the ramp got have another job they're supposed to do that they had actually put off. And then, yeah, you know, timing gets all messed up. So, And uh, I've been praying that that other job they're supposed to do falls through. <laughs> so, or something, you know, that or they get pushed off. Not fall through, pushed off, just pushed off. And that they could come out this week.